Hello and welcome to the Pet Purpose Podcast. This is a podcast for passionate pet parents who want to take pet parenting to the next level. Our audience are always looking for ways to provide the best care for their companions. I'm Brett the Vet and each episode I will share useful information and key takeouts that you can easily adopt to magnify the care, adventure and excitement that you enjoy by having committed to becoming a dedicated pet parent just like me. This episode of the Pet Purpose Podcast is brought to you by tailovation.com.au. Tailovation is the site for passionate pet parents looking for credible information and quality products for their pets. Visit tailovation.com.au and follow along on socials. The handle on both Instagram and Facebook is at tailovation. Instead of standing ovation, it's a tail ovation. It's tails up to that. Now let's get started with today's episode. What do you say about that, boy? Well, firstly, welcome to the audience and thanks for listening in to the Pet Purpose Podcast. If this is your first time joining in and you're a pet lover, then you're certainly in the right place. And of course, if you're tuning in again, then welcome back. You know, summer is such an awesome time of the year and there's just something special about long, warm days and fresh cut lawns and gatherings with friends and family. But there are some potential hazards for our pets that summer brings along with it. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about in today's episode of the Pet Purpose Podcast. We're going to be talking about five potential summer dangers for our pets. So let's get started with the first potential danger, and that is heat stroke. Now, our beautiful sun-baked continent means that we really do have some stunning weather. But it also means that it can get super hot at times. And, you know, this can pose a serious threat to our pets, so much so that they can suffer from heat stroke. Now, normally when our pets' bodies heat up, they find themselves somewhere cool to lie down, uh, they start panting, and they sweat to a limited extent through their pores and a little bit from their nose. And uh, Their blood vessels dilate close to the skin surface so as to get rid of some heat. And normally these physiological responses and behavioral responses are sufficient to allow them to cool down but when the temperature gets too hot they can reach a tipping point where they can no longer cool themselves down sufficiently and that's when we can get heat stroke and it's actually a life-threatening condition where their body temperature rises so high uh, that their body organs start failing now Normally their body temperature is in some sort of normal range between around about 38 to 39 degrees Celsius or about 100.5 to about 102.5 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, But when their body gets way beyond these normal ranges, that's when it can become life-threatening. And so... The reason it's life-threatening is that the central nervous system, the heart, the lungs, the gastrointestinal tract, the kidneys, and and the blood system, they all start failing. And generally, there's a bit of a biological and physiological havoc that starts happening in the body. And another name you may come across when referring to heat stroke is hypothermia. Now, hyper, if we break that word hypothermia down, hyper means excessive and thermia means temperature. So it's simply an excess of body temperature. And bear in mind that it doesn't 
need to be super hot outside for heat stroke to occur. For example, a dog left in a car can heat up to life-threatening temperatures very, very easily. And in addition to excess of heat from the pet surroundings, so from the environment or from, an, or from a, a, a hot car, heat stroke can also occur if there's excess of heat produced by the pet itself. So, for example, this could occur if a, if a dog is overactive, for example, and it's not able to cool down sufficiently. Now, interestingly, there are a number of dog breeds that tend to be more predisposed to heat stroke. And... You know, they include breeds such as Staffordshire Bull Terriers and Pugs and Boxers and Bulldogs and all the other brachycephalic breeds. Now, brachycephalic, if we break that word down, brachy means short and cephalic means head. So it's all the breeds with, you know, those squishy faces, those cute little squishy faces. And these are the breeds that are more predisposed and the reason they're more predisposed is despite the fact that they look very cute with their short heads that cuteness often comes with a lot of respiratory challenges and that basically means that they aren't as efficient at breathing compared with normal headed dogs so to speak so that means that they aren't able to pant as well as if as if they uh, as if they were normal headed dogs um, and because they can't pant as well they can't lose heat as well and they can't cool down as effectively because panting is a primary way that a dog would cool itself down and remember that when when they panting it's the it's the evaporative cooling from the upper respiratory tract and from the respiratory tract in general that allows them to cool down now that's different obviously to us humans when when we heat up too excessively then we sweat a lot and that evaporative cooling of our sweat is what cools us down but because dogs don't sweat as effectively um, they do sweat to a limited extent through their paws and nose as I mentioned but primarily their way of cooling down is through panting so you can imagine if a dog's not able to pant as well then obviously it can't cool down as effectively so it's those types of breeds of dogs those short-headed um, dogs that are more predisposed but also overweight dogs tend to be more predisposed to heat stroke as well as dog dogs with really you know thick coats of fur and the higher the temperature goes in these in these dogs with heat stroke and the longer it stays high or or really elevated at these elevated temperatures the worse it's going to be for the animal so if you have a dog with hypothermia the main goal is to get its temperature down as quickly as possible and even with the temperature controlled it's still really important to get the pet to your vet as soon as possible because all of the myriad of negative effects that we mentioned in all those different organ systems the dog can still go into organ failure even when the temperature has come down to more reasonable levels and the best way to cool a dog down that's overheated is to just use cool water and blow a cool fan over them and the cool water absorbs heat from the body and then the fan allows for that evaporation and it's that evaporative cooling which helps get their body temperatures down into that back into that normal range it's sort of like when our heat from uh, our bodies evaporates uh, that 
cools us humans down and and that's what would help get our dog's temperature back down into the normal range so why wouldn't you just put them in a bath of ice i hear you say and that's not a bad thought but it's actually interesting that if we were to drop our dog in a cold bath of ice that can actually slow the cooling down to some extent because that sudden shock of cold can cause all the blood vessels close to the skin to actually constrict and that can actually prevent heat from being lost to from the body uh, to the outside environment so surprisingly icy water can actually hamper the cooling down process to some extent so it's actually best just to use cool water and blow a fan on them and it's actually interesting that the death rates in potential heat stroke patients can actually be really high with the odds being in favor of of dying than actually in favor of surviving so it's really best to try and prevent heat stroke in the first place and some of the best ways to prevent that is you know try and avoid your dog overexerting itself when it's too hot outside and that's particularly important for you those brachycephalic breeds that we mentioned so if it's a really really hot day don't take them out for a walk or a run in the heat of the day other suggestions is not to leave your dog obviously in a closed up car because even if it's not that hot outside a car can quickly quickly become just like a a, a heated oven also keep your dog cool by wetting them down and have a fan blowing on them and always have fresh and ample um, water available and you could drop some ice cubes into their water bowl to you know encourage them to drink some cool water and then always you know have your your vet's number handy should should the the need arise so that's heat stroke now the second potential summer hazard that we're going to be talking about today are foods that can be toxic to our pets and the foods that are most likely to be around during our summer meals that could potentially be toxic to our pets include grapes and chocolates and alcohol and xylitol which are found in lollies and certain ice creams and things like that so if you're interested to hear more about these toxic foods as well as some others then have a listen to episode five of the pet purpose podcast where i cover off some of these toxic foods so let's move on to the third potential summer hazard and that is snakes now yes australia is home to some of the most deadly snakes and the ones that are most great of greatest relevance to us as pet owners are those that belong to the elapid family and they include brown snakes tiger snakes black snakes and taipans and it's interesting to note that this family is also this family of snakes the lapidae family also includes other snakes from around the world such as the coral snakes of north america or the mumbas and cobras from africa or even the crates from from asia and um all of those mentioned belong to this elapidae family of snakes. And the venom of these snakes is primarily a neurotoxin, which means that it causes damage to the nervous system. But some of these snakes can actually contain sort of a cocktail of toxins and it can include things like hematoxins, which cause damage to the, the blood and the blood systems, and the and as well as myotoxins, which cause damage to muscles and um, 
the time of the year when snake envenomations tend to occur the most are obviously between the months of September to March here in Australia. And this is makes sense because these are the warmer months of the year when the snakes tend to be most active. And whilst any dog could potentially be bitten by a snake, it's likely that the more inquisitive and cheeky and feisty dogs that are the ones that are most likely to be bitten because they're obviously the ones more likely to approach and provoke a snake. Now, a snake's natural tendency will be to move away from any potential threat, such as an approaching dog. But obviously, if a dog's going to uh, attack a snake, then uh, it has the potential to be bitten. And it's oftentimes the snake will not actually be seen by us pet parents. And it may also not be all that obvious that a dog was bitten because the, the, the bite marks from a snake can actually easily be hidden and obscured by the fur. So signs to look out for could include, you know, collapse or paralysis or partial paralysis and even potential difficulty in breathing. And other signs can include things like vomiting or even changes in urine color, such as darkened urine. And dogs can become bitten in the backyard. For example, if if the the house is close to a, a bushy area, or they can be um, bitten in nearby parks or bushland areas. It, you know, my wife and I often go walking in our neighborhood with our little moodle, and one of the areas we go through is a, a little creek area, it, you know, right in the, in the middle of the suburb. And last season we actually came across a red-bellied black snake in, as we were traversing across this little creek. So they certainly can be around and sometimes they can actually be closer than we might, we might think. So if you do suspect your dog has been bitten, obviously get them to your vet as quickly as possible, even if they're not showing any signs because they can quickly you know, become critical. And your vet may conduct certain tests such as blood clotting tests or they administer they could administer some treatments such as intravenous fluids or snake antivenoms to try and help neutralize the venom. Now, if you do happen to sight the snake, try and get a good description or even take a video or a photo if at all possible. Now, that's obviously a lot easier said than done. Um, but if you're able to do that, get that photo or that video, that may help identify the snake and this can aid in determining which antivenom would be best to administer. And Now, of course, there are lots of similarities in the look between different types of snakes and even snakes from the same species can have different morphological variations. So identification of snakes can be tricky at the best of times. And especially given the fear around snakes where the tendency is to get away from them as quickly as possible. You know, I'm sure you're probably thinking that if you were to happen upon a snake, you wouldn't hang around to take photos or videos. You'd you'd want to get, get out of there as quickly as possible. So, um, but uh, yeah, just be aware that snakes are a potential summer hazard in, in, in sunny Australia. All right, so... A fourth potential summer hazard are ticks. Now, there are there's one particular Australian tick that can be life-threatening to our pets, and this little critter is the paralysis tick. And our pets are most at risk during the spring and summer season, so make sure that your dog is on a tick preventative treatment to avoid this danger. And if you'd like to find out more about tick paralysis 
and other ticks as well, then listen to the, to episode three and four of the Pet Purpose Podcast where I talk about ticks there. All right, so let's cover off the fifth potential summer hazard, and that is dangers that are associated with barbecues. Now, summer is, of course, the perfect time for a barbecue, and don't we all enjoy a good barbecue from time to time? And it's all the aromas from a barbecue that are often so enticing, not only for us, but for our dogs too. And it makes them want to eat whatever they can get their paws on. Now, the dangers from a barbecue can include things like the the wooden barbecue skewers. And these often have some meat remnants on them, even once, you know, all the meat's been taken off. And this makes them very appealing for dogs to consume. And it's the sharp skewers that can get stuck in the mouths of our dog, or they can even, you know, cause hazards in, in the intestinal tract and can penetrate the intestinal tract if they happen to get swallowed. The other hazards from barbecues include things such as corn cobs. You know, what would a barbecue be without a tasty corn cob? Well, it's these corn cobs that can be consumed by our dogs and they can actually get stuck in the intestine. Now, I know I'm oversimplifying it here, but think of the intestines like a hosepipe and the corn cob would could act like a plug which can get stuck inside the lumen of that of that hose pipe or that intestinal tract and it can block that pipe or that, that intestinal tract and this can actually be a life-threatening uh, occurrence and it often requires surgical intervention to go in there and remove that corn cob that is obstructing the intestinal tract so there's 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 barbecue skewers, there's corn cobs. Other dangers associated with barbecues are bones. And, you know, whilst bones can be thought of as helping to clean the teeth, they can actually potentially fracture the teeth and they can also get stuck in the mouth, you know, between between the teeth. Or they, if they swallowed, they can get stuck in the esophagus or they can get stuck in the intestines. So they, they're, they're a potential hazard that, and that they can even cause constipation. So they're often better avoided uh, totally. The other thing associated with barbecues that's a potential hazard is that if a dog consumes too, too much fatty food at once, it, it, it can actually induce pancreatitis. And that's a severe inflammation of the pancreas. And the pancreas is a little organ in the abdominal cavity. And its one function is to produce digestive enzymes, which obviously help digest the food that gets consumed. And sometimes excessive fatty meals can upset the apple cart with, with these digestive enzymes. And the digestive enzymes can actually become activated too, too early. And the pancreas can sort of start digesting itself. Digesting itself. And this can be very painful and it can actually be a life-threatening issue. So make sure that your dog can't get access to all the fatty foods and fatty leftovers from a barbecue. And signs you might look out for with pancreatitis include a dog just simply being flat and depressed and not wanting to eat. It could potentially be vomiting and just really appearing unwell. And remember that the barbec- the dangers from a barbecue can not only be at the time of the barbecue, but can also be once the barbecue's done and, you know, the cooking's completed, everyone's cleaning up. And it's when 
everything goes into the bin and the garbage bin. And that's when our dogs can also get into the leftovers and the skewers and the corn cobs and all the rest and fatty foods. So just be aware that the dangers of a barbecue are not only during the barbecue itself, but it's in the garbage uh, that that's uh, left over from a barbecue that can be a, a big threat as well. Well, I think that's a wrap for this episode of the Pet Purpose Podcast. So let's sum up, audience. While summer is a fantastic time of the year, there are potential dangers for our pets during the season that we should be aware of. And we've touched on five potential hazards today, and they are heat stroke or overheating. It can be foods that are toxic for our pets. It could be snake bites and snake envenomation. It could be ticks, or in particular the paralysis tick. And then the fifth hazard that we covered off with the dangers that are associated with barbecues so enjoy the summertime fun with your pet but certainly be aware that there are potential hazards and always have your vet's number handy for an event of an emergency this episode of the pet purpose podcast was brought to you by tailovation.com.au if you're looking for credible information and quality products for your pet then visit tailovation.com.au and you can follow along on Instagram and Facebook using the handle at Tailovation. That's T-A-I-L-O-V-A-T-I-O-N. Instead of a standing ovation, it's a tailovation. You can also find a range of pet products like grooming products, food, treats and collars, toys, flea and tick products, supplements and much more at the Tailovation shop online. And if you'd like to access the show notes for this episode, then head over to the podcast page on the Tailovation website. In the show notes, you'll also find a link to the Tailovation shop so that you can get your pet's needs met. So visit tailovation.com to access the show notes. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. Thanks for being such a great audience. Please go ahead and share this episode with other passionate pet parents and do your bit to help create happy, healthy pets. And if you enjoyed this podcast, then please do us a favor and leave a review. Remember, you're awesome and your pet thinks so too. It's tails up to that. Wouldn't you agree, boy? <laughs> Please note that the information provided in this episode of the Pet Purpose Podcast is general in nature and you should always seek veterinary advice specific to your pet's individual needs.